Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Oh, well, hey, uh, welcome. Want to welcome those watching in Issaquah, Bothell, Duval, and Castle Rock as well. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor, and we're kicking off a new series uh, called The Better Life Project. And really what we're doing is uh, we're looking at a better life, not only for us individually, uh, for our families, for our church, really uh, on, a, on a macro level, what would it look like for our society if we defined that according to God's terms. And so we're going to spend uh, three weeks uh, looking at one verse in the Bible. We're not going to spend all three weeks just looking at that one verse. We're going to look at other scripture as well. And uh, because God makes it really clear uh, what that better life is about. And in fact, uh, you probably uh, have seen t-shirts uh, with this scripture, or at least portions of it, uh, on it. It's Micah 6.8. It says, uh, he has shown you, O mortal, or older versions say, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? Have you ever thought about that? What does God really want me to do? And this is meant for those who have already crossed the line of faith. If you say, hey, I'm not even following uh, God yet. Uh, this really isn't uh, for you, although I think all of our lives would be better if we followed this. Uh, but once we've, we're following God and we have a life with him, uh, God says, this is, this is really what I want you to do, how I want you to live this out. And we're going to spend three weeks looking at uh, each of these uh, three parts. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And today we're going to consider what it means uh, to act justly. And honestly, probably one of, even if I say the word uh, justice, there's all sorts of emotions around it. We all have our opinions. And one thing I can assure you, no matter where you're at, whether you're a, you know, a, uh, a, a left winger or a right winger or somewhere in the middle, I can assure you that for every one of you, I will offend you today. Isn't that a great sales pitch? Uh, because I'm going to look at this from a biblical perspective. And I think oftentimes what we come is with our preconceived notions, our ideas, maybe in a sense our taking Scripture even out of context, instead of looking at what this means. And of course, I can't handle... Uh, this whole topic of justice in one sermon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really dip our toe in the water uh, to what that, what that looks like. I mean, there's some of us who are more uh, relaxed people and others of us who have more of a justice instinct. We want things uh, to be right. Any people like that? You're sort of like that? You're a justice person? I'm married to one, so pray for me. Uh, and uh, the, half the time with my wife, the problem is, is uh, not that I, you know, I, I'm not trying to do the, the right thing, 
I, it took me years to understand what she even wanted me to do. And so if you're here and you're married, if, it, this, is, this is for particularly for men at this point. Men, if you're, if you're not married yet, uh, this is what I, I've learned. I found this on the internet, but we know it's true because everything on the internet's true, right? This is a guide uh, to wife speak. Uh, okay, we're going to roll through these fast. It's your decision equals the correct decision should be obvious by now. Uh, do what you want equals you'll pay for this later. Uh, here's another one. I hear a noise. I noticed you were almost asleep. <laughs> uh, how much do you love me? I did something today you're really not going to like. Uh, you have to learn to communicate. Just agree with me. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to talk about it. Go away. I'm still building up steam. And I'll be ready in a minute. Kick off your shoes and find a good game on TV. <laughs> so we have, we, we have a hard time even understanding what the other person really means. And so what I want to do is I want to get a, a, a definition to help us as we uh, look at this. What is justice? And this is just simply a, a dictionary definition, not necessarily a theological one. It, it's fairness in protecting rights and punishing wrongs and a genuine respect for people. And I think uh, very few of us would disagree with that. We would say, you know, that's, uh, I'm against that. But the problem is there seems to be very little agreement. I mean, you think about uh, over the last couple of years and uh, issues in, in uh, Missouri and Florida and New York, and people on different sides and like, hey, what, what does it mean when there's, uh, with a criminal justice system? And, and some people are saying, I believe in justice. Other people are saying the same thing, yet they're on opposite sides of this. When I talk to couples who've ended a relationship by divorce, rarely is there agreement on what is just and right and how they should end the relationship, who should get what how the kids should be raised. I've talked to people who've been laid off or are in a reorganization at work. They've gotten a, a lesser position than they used to have. And I've talked to people who have to do that, who have to do the laying off for a big company as well. And they have radically different perspectives when it comes to what is right and what is just. I've seen people trying to get in college, get a job, get a promotion, resolve issues in a marriage with parents and friends. And it just doesn't seem that simple. And I think a lot of humility up front helps us. And, and I'll tell you this, this is going to be important to look at because this is not just what's happening in the world out there, it's what's happening in here as well. Well, why is this so difficult? One, God's ways are not our ways. Uh, yeah, how many of you think you're equal with God? Hopefully none of us. That we, that we don't necessarily understand what God's uh, up to. In fact, you think about it when someone does something wrong. In fact, I got a computer virus this week. And uh, yeah, I was actually, it, I got it by clicking on a church website, another church's website. 
And uh, so I, I did that. I got a computer virus, and it took all this time, took a little bit of money to resolve this computer virus. And I'm thinking, you know what they should do to these people? They should put them in jail. They should break their hand. No, they, you know, I'm, I'm like going through it, and all of a sudden I think I'm somewhere past the death penalty for a computer virus. And uh, some of you are like, seems reasonable to me, you know. Uh, but the whole thing is, is that when I'm in that moment, I'm thinking retribution, baby. There's a right and wrong, and you are Mr. or Mrs. Wrong, wherever you are. Uh, but God's thinking redemption. God's thinking when we are unjust, when we sin, how can I bring redemption to that moment? See, the truth is, is every culture has been affected by sin. Oh, no, I know this is totally politically incorrect. Like I said, I'm going to make everyone mad uh, today. And we have such a good crowd this summer. I'm sure there'll be less of you next week. <laughs> uh, every culture, every culture that's not really following Christ, and I don't think there's one that definitely is perfectly, can be Western culture or Eastern culture, and how, it, how we respect one another, how we deal with people with different ethnicities or races, how we handle our sexuality, how we handle our money, how we care for people who are the least of them. And now how we do that, of course, is there's all a whole other debate as well. In fact, I was so, uh, uh, so excited, really, when I was at a uh, dinner party uh, just last night, and there were uh, a bunch of people there. We were celebrating someone's anniversary. And it was so exciting when uh, people were uh, talking to us because uh, some people were Christians, but most of them uh, weren't. There were people actually uh, of many different faiths or no faith. But when uh, they were talking about, well, you know, caring for the poor and all of that and say, oh, man, you know, that's a big part. That's why we uh, have orphanages in India and Haiti and, and work with homeless here. See, it's, it's recognizing that it's not a problem out there, that God has called us to do something. The reality is, is that problems are easier to spot than solutions. Uh, everyone's a good problem spotter, right? Very few of us are good problem solvers. And then, uh, four, we don't have God's role or perspective. Uh, we don't really uh, have his role as the creator of the universe, the author and the judge. We also don't have his perspective. Uh, we, as I said, we can be uh, too harsh. Honestly, we can see things and not be involved at all. So how do we navigate this? I, here's what I, I want us to consider. In this verse, Micah 6, 8, uh, that we looked at up front, uh, it says in, in most translations, and it, coming from the biblical Hebrew, to act justly. A couple say do justice, which, by the way, is a totally different meaning. That's not really an accurate representation because a lot of us, we want to do justice. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says don't do justice. The Bible says act justly. You get how different that is? 
Because when I'm doing justice, I'm, I'm focusing on all those people out there. The Bible says, you act justly. Well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we practically live that out in life? So I want to look at a, at a uh, person in Scripture. Actually, we've never studied uh, before, at least since I've been here as a pastor of the church in the last nine years. And that's uh, Josiah. I want, to, I want to study his life because he was known for someone who acted justly in God's eyes. But first I want to look at his heritage a little bit. Uh, we see uh, first about his grandfather uh, who was named Manasseh. And we read this. It says, when Manasseh was 12 years old, he became king. And then it goes on. He said, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did, in fact, it describes what he, uh, what he did in the places of worship. He put uh, pagan sacrifices. He actually, in the fire, sacrificed one of his own children. And it said uh, how many people he harmed and, and basically that he did so much evil that it can't even be recorded. So that's grandpa. And then here's dad. It says Ammon, when he was 22 years old, uh, when he became king, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. So it's sort of uh, like, I, I can't remember the movie, you know, what is it, Mr. Evil or something like that? And uh, someone has got to help me out. You know who I'm talking about? Okay, you're reading fine literature. I'm watching, uh, oh, Austin Powers. That's what I'm thinking of right there. Yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> okay. Now you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's okay. You don't know the Bible, but I'll teach you that. But you do know Austin Powers. That's great, you know. <laughs> I'm glad we have a common, yeah, so, so he's, he's raised by whoever that was, Mr. or Dr. Evil. Uh, and that was his dad, and that was his grandfather. But he takes a different tact on life. And we read this. Uh, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And by the way, the stuff we're going to read about, he probably didn't start on his eighth birthday. This is, uh, he was eight when he became king, and we see that he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father, David. Obviously, David's not his literal father. It's talking about King David, who was uh, uh, considered a man after God's own heart, a great hero king of Israel, not turning aside to the right or to the left. And so we learned this about him, that all the days of his life, he decided to go a different path, a different path than the culture he had been brought up in, a different path than the family he came from. And, and he did it, and it's, we don't have to guess at what that looked like. And so we, we think, okay, you know, what, what can I do? What does it mean when God says, act justly? Okay, I get that. That's at least a little more narrow. I don't need to solve all the world's problems. But what does it mean for me to be right with God right with other people. And, and by the way, I want you to think, you know, don't think of maybe some problem in the Middle East that you're not part of solving. Think about a problem in your workplace. Think about a conflict or an inequity there or something in your own family or your neighborhood or with your friend group. And so we see, we learn this from uh, Josiah is to start with unfinished business. To start with unfinished business. All of us have unfinished business. 
Uh, some of it come by, on, by honestly. We're a little bit of procrastinators. Any other procrastinators here? Good, you'll, you'll like this. I came across this. Uh, it's, this is for us procrastinators. Top 10 reasons I procrastinate. Number one. Yeah, nothing. There's nothing there, right? That's because you're a procrastinator. Took you a while to get that. I know this is a, a little bit of the remedial service. No, just kidding. Uh, we're, we're working on this uh, together. We have unfinished business. Here's what we read. It says, 2 Kings 22, 4 through 5. It says, go up uh, to Hilkiah, the pre high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord. Stop. What's going on? There had been money collected for this project because the place of worship was sort of in disrepair. But they hadn't done anything with it. Uh, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrust it to men appointed to supervise the work on the temple and have those men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord. See, there was unfinished business. There were people who hadn't been paid. There had been work that hadn't been done. And I don't know about you, it doesn't take me too long to think of some unfinished business in my life. Maybe an overdue apology Maybe there was a conflict and, and, and you feel like you sort of won the argument, but you lost a little bit of your soul in the process because you took advantage of someone else. And then secondly, we learned to use Scripture as our compass. We all need a compass in our life uh, to guide us we read in Second uh, Kings 23-2 uh, that, that Josiah, he did this. He read in the, hear, he read in the hearing of all, uh, all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. He read in their hearing, sorry. Uh, all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. See, they didn't uh, have actually the Bible. Had, this is a society that had become so corrupt. They're like, they had like, they didn't have printing presses back then. They had sort of one Bible, and they're like, oh, yeah, we misplaced it somewhere. And they didn't have it. And so you wonder why they were making the decisions they were making. It's because it was just up to their own best guess. Now, again, I've said it too many times. We don't worship the Bible, but the Bible is our guide. It's a compass. It's a fixed point. We need that in our life to, when we're considering what is right and what is wrong. How do we treat other people? How do we deal with uh, unresolved issues from the past when someone has, has hurt us? What does that look like? We need a compass to guide us. Every time I think of uh, a compass, I always think of the time I wish I would have had one. When I, I was way back when, when I was in college, I went to Scotland and I went hill walking in Scotland. I'm sure we have uh, some Scottish people. Uh, there's not really mountains so much in Scotland. They call it hill walking for the most part. And uh, this is way back in the old days. And for some of you people, one, you're going to think I'm 185 years old. And this was pre-GPS, pre-MapQuest. Can you believe that? 
We didn't even have Apple Maps or Google Maps back then. No cell phone. So I had a map. And you say, well, what's the big deal with having a map? It's a you know, map is a piece of paper, and you read it. And uh, I'd gotten this map uh, from someone uh, who I was staying sort of on, at this place, and, and they had this map, and they gave it to me. And so they dropped me off at one place, and it was going to be probably about a seven or eight hour uh, uh, walk or hike that day. And so they dropped me off, and then about an hour and a half or so into it, uh, I get to where the bridge on the map said there was a bridge, and all there was is where there used to be a bridge. And so, see, that's the problem with maps that don't automatically update, you know? <laughs> yeah, so th this map, I don't know how long it had been around. And so I had two questions in my mind, or I had two decisions. I could go back. I was only about an hour and a half away. Or I could move forward. You can imagine what I did. I don't, I don't need a map or a compass. I am a human compass. I'm a man. I know these things. And so, uh, yeah, you can guess how that worked out. I got lost, and I went, and I was, and, and literally, I, at one point, I kid you not, there were birds that were circling over my head. Uh, and people say, I know that is absolutely true. And I'm lost, and I can't find my way home. And uh, then to make it worse, there were sheep there, and there's what sheep left behind, and then I stepped in a big pile of what sheep left behind. And finally I'm there, and I see this farmer, and he looks at me with great compassion. Not at all. He laughed at me. That's what he did. He laughed at me. Uh, and I said, hey, uh, I'm lost. I think he could tell. And 13 hours later, uh, I made it back home. And I was, you know, it would have been smart for me to say, hey, I really need to find out where I'm at and how to get to where I want to go. And the funny thing is we do that. We do, we do that when we raise kids, don't we? We say, well, you know, what, what does the scripture say and how I should raise kids? Or we just say, hey, I'm going to I, I'm going to do my best guess, and then if I need God later, I'll ask the question. When it comes to work ethic, everything else, our finances. And so Scripture serves as a compass for us. Now, as I say this, I know that a lot of you are like me. You weren't raised Bible people. And so... Uh, I have some suggestions for you. One of them, and this, these aren't fill-ins. You can just write them to the side if you want to. If you're here and you say, hey, Ben, I'm, I'm honestly not sure about the Bible. That's, hey, that's fair. Uh, but I would encourage you to dig a little deeper. You can actually put on your connection card, uh, say, Bible message. I did a, a message, uh, the Bible for skeptics and non-readers. I've done about four or five Bible messages. Then I think I'll let you know that there's a reason that you can have trust that God, in this being divinely inspired. And then also take advantage of our groups. This is really our, I think, our last weekend to sign up for summer groups. And it's a great way as you go, uh, many of the groups over a part of the Bible or studying a subject from scriptural principles, that you learn the Bible together. And then if you haven't done this yet, download the Bible app. 
There's uh, the Bible app. Uh, you can uh, get, it looks like this because I don't want you to get a virus like I got. Uh, so uh, you can get this on your phone and it's free. Isn't that awesome? And you can start reading the Bible. There's Bible plans. And again, we don't worship the Bible, but it's just way less complex than most of us think it is. Well, once we understand that, we need to ask the question, what can I do? And it's funny, as, as uh, Josiah looked at the issue of justice, he looked at his own heart first. Uh, we read this in uh, 2 Kings 22, 11. It says, when the king heard uh, the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. And that's a sign of repentance. He's saying, hey, first I need to make my heart right. Where I've been unfair or unkind. Psalm 51, uh, 17 says, A broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. And so that's what uh, he does. He gets his own heart right, and then he goes on, and uh, he starts to clean up some of the things from his own family's past. We read this. It says, He did away with the idolatrous priests appointed by the kings of Judah, uh, to burn incense on the high places out of town. And by the way, uh, the, what they did there, in fact, I'll read the rest of this, uh, of Judah and those around Jerusalem, those who burn incense to Baal. Baal worship was one of that was uh, human sacrifice of children. And that's what his grandfather did. And he said, you know, it's, it's in my power to do something. And so I'm going to do what's in my power to do. I talked to a lot of you uh, work for big companies, and you say, hey, in my company, I'm not the CEO. I can't. Well, what can you do in your work group? Well, my neighborhood, what, what can you do in, in your family? Consider that thing. In fact, uh, in Issaquah, uh, there's a big empty space. I, I live more towards Issaquah, Washington, and there's uh, going to be a big Hobby Lobby, which for me, I am not a crafty kind of person, so I, I don't make a lot of crafts. I know people who, who do that. They love, they love that. It's a big craft store, and I will never go there, but I know some of you will be very excited about it. Uh, the, the, the people who started Hobby Lobby and, and own it uh, are evangelical Christians. And they, they have some controversy around them uh, with how they stand on uh, certain issues and human life and all of that. And that gets a lot of press. What doesn't get press as much is for retail stores, uh, especially in places in the South and other parts of the country, uh, Hobby Lobby has been known to offering the, the highest wage for its full-time workers. In fact, long before there was a $15 an hour wage in Seattle, years before David Green, because he was a Christ follower, he, did the, he just said, I'm making plenty of money. And uh, again, this is not in a high cost of living area like here. He said, because of my faith, I'm going to do what I can do. See, God, that's what God calls us to do where people say that someone's of no value. You say, I read the Bible, and the Bible tells me to value people. And in fact, uh, one of the greatest moments in my life 
was over uh, when I was at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena, California, where I got my master's degree. It was before apartheid had ended in South Africa. And it was interesting. Uh, I heard uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu, who was really the leader of the anti-apartheid uh, movement. And uh, he, as he was talking about that, he didn't come from it from a political perspective, which I shocked me, or a social perspective. He spent the entire time preaching on Genesis chapter 1. And all he talked about is every single person, no matter who you meet, no matter who what their background, no matter how much influence or how little they have, whether they're... Uh, are dealing with a disability or they're an Olympic athlete. They're created in the image of God. And because they're created in the image of God, they have incredible value. And it was a couple years later that that practice ended in South Africa. And I was the leader of that movement started with a biblical argument that every person is valuable in God's eyes. Well, number four, we need to consider your spiritual footprint. And we see that's what uh, happens in, in these next verses. You can read those when you get home, 2 Kings 23, 21 through 23. Really what he does uh, then is Josiah starts the Passover. It was a celebration uh, that it was a worship celebration, but it was a worship celebration to commemorate when the nation of Israel, they had been in Egypt and they'd been in servitude and slavery there for 400 years. And God said, hey, will you remember that? Will you have this celebration? And so he said, why don't we celebrate? Why don't we celebrate God's goodness and redemption? And that leads to the fifth thing we learn is that we were called to know and to believe in God's power to rewrite any story. And you think about that. Think about what we read about Josiah and his family. He came from a, a difficult family. We read this about Josiah. Neither before nor after Josiah, there was a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with all the laws of Moses. And so you're saying, hey, that, that was a good, a good man. Where did he learn that? And the scripture tells us about his family and Josiah didn't just figure this out as an eight-year-old kid. He could have. But it tells us about his grandfather Manasseh, the one who uh, had done all those bad things. That Manasseh, at one point in his life, and you can imagine that, that he probably wasn't the favorite grandpa for Josiah. You know, what are we doing? Okay, child sacrifice tonight. Okay, no grandpa. I'll stay somewhere else, you know. Uh, so he would have been afraid of him. And then he would have seen a change, even as a little kid. There would have been probably some sense, of, as a five, six-year-old kid, that things were different. 
because it says this, that Manasseh came to a point where he wanted to rewrite a different story in his own life, in his own family. And we read, in Manasseh's distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God, humbled himself greatly before God of his ancestors. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. See, he probably remembered the one who was most unjust, unkind, unforgiving, unmerciful. And the time when he changed his ways and he changed his life. And the great lesson for us is it doesn't matter how far we've gone. It doesn't matter where we've been in the equation. I've talked to some of you and you are dealing with loads of guilt from a marriage that ended and it was your anger, your infidelity, your carelessness which caused that to end. About friends and you knew it was something you said, something you gossiped about, an unkind remark and that maybe you've made a, up a different story over the time, but you know the real story why that friendship isn't there anymore. Someone you took advantage of, maybe from a financial perspective. And the hard thing is, what do we do with that? We, we learn in God's power to rewrite any story. That no matter how far we've gone, that as long as there's breath in our lungs, there's the ability to turn to Him. Will you pray with me? Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.